0: I get to uh, give an exciting update Today we've been uh, giving updates the last couple of weekends about uh, Movement is Coming, our uh, capital campaign over the last couple years, and just uh, trying to stay uh, in line with what God is doing and, and establishing our, our first permanent home uh, out on Walker Road, out there by uh, Memorial Middle School and, and Bradley High School. And so uh, we, we got the go-ahead this week that everything should be lining up with our, our lending institution and title agency and everything. And so we will close uh, on that loan this Friday, uh, November 4th, uh, which means that everything else... Uh, that we've been praying for can happen, so uh, I'm excited. Uh, to announce that on November 20th, uh, on Sunday, November 20th, we're going to have our, our ground breaking out on that property. Uh, and so we want to invite you. We'll, we'll put that on social media. We'll send you an email later. Don't worry, you don't have to take a picture with your phone or anything like your mom would do maybe. But uh, we'll, we'll let you know all that information. Uh, but we want to just go out there and, and just dedicate that land to God and, and celebrate that and, and take some pictures and, and, and just prayerfully thank God for, for what he's doing. And so we'll be out there on the 20th. You can uh, start shopping for a golden shovel on Amazon if you feel called to do that. I think that's what they do at Groundbreakings. I don't know. Uh, but uh, but we'll be out there on that day and there'll be more details to follow. So mark your calendar, call off work, call in sick, do whatever you have to do on that day and, and make sure that uh, that you don't miss. So let me, uh, let me just go ahead and, and, and lead us in prayer. We've been praying toward this and uh, we just want to thank God uh, for what he's doing and the way he's moving and we're excited and grateful for that. So let's, let's pray together. Lord, thank you uh, just for the Answers to prayer. Lord, thank you for the ways that you have reminded us that you are in control and you are our provider. God, thank you for the ways uh, that you have uh, shown us that uh, you exist outside of and above uh, zoning processes and financing processes and so many other things. And God, we just want to say thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you that you answer our prayers. And Lord, we're, we're just excited to uh, enter this construction phase and and. Um, Lord, ultimately, we, we want to just, uh, we be a church that is on mission. We don't want to be a church that is defined by a building, but we believe that you're going to use that building and give us a presence in the community, and so we continue to just uh, dedicate that to you. God, we give that, that to you, and we know that there are still several things that are going to happen in these uh, weeks and months and over the next year, and so we just ask, uh, God, that our hearts will be on you, that you will move and work in that process, and that you will show us and remind us uh, that you were in control. So today we just say thanks, and uh, God, we're grateful for all you're doing. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, in the last couple years, uh, I've become a cross-country dad. You can probably tell by looking at me, I did not grow up running uh, cross-country. It was not my sport of choice, uh, but my, my son Malachi has decided that he is a runner like his mom, and so I'm trying to catch up. And so this past summer, uh, my friend Scott, who's a pastor, was telling me a story about when his son was a runner, and it, uh, it hit home a little too much, and so I wanted to pass that story on to you guys today. Uh, last year, Scott's son, uh, Camden, was a, a senior, and he went to his year-end meet because uh, they, they kind of knew that the way things were coming down the wire, uh, that if some certain guys on the team ran certain times, Camden's team was going to be able to win their, their conference, and so Scott got there early, his son driven without him, and he was there warming up, and Scott went and found him, and he did that thing that dads like us do because we think it matters, but he found his son, and he gave him the pep talk of all lifetimes, right? He, he found him and he said, listen, what you're going to do today will echo on. And he said, you get to represent our family and you get to represent your, your integrity and your character and your work ethic and all of those things. And I'm so excited for you and, and I hope that you're excited to, to run today. And, and then his, you know, he gave him this pep talk. His son got to the starting line. And if you've never been to a cross-country meet, it's a little, uh, it's a little confusing, a little challenging. It's not like uh, being a lazy soccer dad that I like to be where you just plop down in a lawn chair and act like you're smarter than the ref. Uh, cross country is a lot more involved than that. And so they'll take off at a starting point and they'll run past you and then they're all gone. And then there's a course that they're running on and so you have to go find them on the course. So maybe you'll, you'll run over here and then they come running by there and then you, you run over to the other spot and you're like, hey, let's go, let's go. And so Scott was saying that he, he just kept following his son and you know sometimes you're running into a woods and you're back out of the woods and sometimes you're doing laps around a tennis court at a high school. You almost... Don't know what's happening, but you're doing your best to keep up with them. And he said somewhere along that course, he he lost Camden, and so he got to what he thought was like the final curve, and he was he was waiting on his son, and he he saw the fast kids come by, and then he saw some other people come by, and he waited, and he waited some more, and finally he saw he saw Cam come out of the the woods, and he was running, he was running next to this other guy, and they weren't really living up to the pep talk that he had given, and and so he. Uh, said come on Cam let's go and he saw his son just kind of gingerly like trotting out and he crossed the finish line and he tried to not ruin the moment too much but he eventually went up to him he's talking and he's like hey were you not excited to run today or did you did you miss you don't remember the pep talk you weren't you you could win conference you don't remember all those things we talked about you represent us and this was your moment and he you didn't you didn't wanna finish any faster? And his son looked at him and he said, Oh no, Dad, I, I, I finished. I I already crossed the finish line a couple minutes ago. He's like, I uh I just I, I looked back and I I knew there was a, a guy on my team that wasn't doing great and so I I went back to to help him. And Scott said he had that moment that we all have as parents sometimes where we think, one, I'm a terrible person and Luckily, by the grace of God, the people I'm raising are better people than me. And he said, oh, that's, that's great, Cam, tell me more, you know. And his son just said, well, you know, I know it wasn't just about me, but this was a, a day that we were trying to win as a team, and so I wanted to do the, the best thing I could to help our team win. And Scott said, that wrecked him right there. And he, he said he'll, he'll never forget that lesson. He said he, he learned in that moment that sometimes the, the things that we need to learn are, are not just individual lessons. Sometimes the things we're we're trying to learn are are corporate lessons, they're team lessons, they're outside of us. And so I I tell you that story because we want to have a a conversation today uh, that's not just a a me conversation, not just an I conversation, it's a a we conversation. And and sometimes in the church there there are conversations that are are corporate, that are plural, they're not just individual conversations. And and we want to talk today about serving, about using our spiritual gifts, about our attitude toward using our gifts. And I say that because that's not always a, a me conversation. It's a, it's a we conversation. If you've uh, been hanging out the last couple weeks, you've been at Movement Church for a while, you know that uh, we've been talking about this concept that we call ownership. Uh, We often say as a church that we want to be a place where you can own your faith and own your church. And we don't say that so that we can check off boxes. We don't say that so that we can feel good and think that we've arrived. We say that because we believe it's important for us to be committed to our faith, committed to walking with Jesus, but committed to doing that together so that we can love each other and hold each other accountable. And so we've defined ownership and owning our faith in this way. We've said that it's spending daily time with Jesus, growing to be more like him, Ownership is consistent attendance in our Sunday morning gatherings. Ownership is honoring God by giving a portion of your finances back to Him. Ownership is involvement in a movement group. Ownership is serving on a volunteer team with your gifts. And ownership is regularly sharing the gospel and working for this to happen around the world. And so this morning, specifically, we want to focus on serving on a volunteer team with our gifts. We want to talk about spiritual gifts. And we want to talk about this conversation as a we conversation and not just a a me conversation. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. If you've got a Bible that's under your chair or around you there on the floor somewhere, we're going to be on page 705. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16, page 705. And we want to read... This passage on spiritual gifts and see what it can teach us about us as a group and as a family. Page 705, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church." He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Verse 11 starts out pretty quickly when it says these are the gifts. Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And I've got to be honest, I remember reading lists like this and thinking like, Ooh, that's, that's an intimidating list. When I see words like apostle and prophet, I think I'm often reminded like, Ooh, I, am, I, am not, I am not that. And so I want to let you know, don't be intimidated by this list. This is not an exhaustive list. This is not the only list, but it's telling us something. It's making a greater point. And the point is this, that Jesus gave spiritual gifts to the church. You don't have to have only one of those gifts. Those are not the only gifts, but it's saying that Jesus gave spiritual gifts to the church and reminding us that Jesus is the creator of our gifts. Jesus is the the passer-outer of our gifts. He's the one who distributes our gifts. He's the one who gives them to us and makes sure that we have what he wants us to have. And so Jesus has given us individual gifts for a corporate entity. If you want to read more about spiritual gifts this week, go ahead and put a note in your Bible. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 that can tell you more and maybe even help you dial in on what you think your gifts are and encourage you more in that. But I want you to know my purpose for saying that Jesus gave spiritual gifts to the church is this, that you have spiritual gifts, You have spiritual gifts, and I don't say that to freak you out, I don't say that to make you think that you have to be a prophet or an apostle, but I want you to know of the spiritual gifts that Jesus has designed and given to bless the church, he has given you some of those gifts, and that's important. Hopefully, it feels good to know that you've been given a gift I think the the obvious follow-up question that we can ask, though, is, all right, I've got a a gift that's kind of giving me some anxiety. It's making me worry. I feel like there's pressure on me now. What do I do with this gift? And this passage goes on to to tell us some things. But what do people do with gifts sometimes? Well, sometimes people squander a gift. Sometimes they don't really use a gift. Sometimes people bury a gift or ignore a gift or or hide a gift or decide that they don't want to use a gift. Maybe sometimes we decide that our gift doesn't make sense for a season. We decide that we don't want to use our gift. I want you to know that when we say that Jesus gave spiritual gifts to the church and that you have a spiritual gift, that that was done with a design, that was done with a reason, that was done with a purpose. And so to ignore our gifts, to abandon our gifts, to not use our gifts... To not appreciate our gifts or even to wish that we had another gift is inadvertently insulting the creator. It might inadvertently be saying, hey Jesus, good try trying to design me, but I think you got it wrong. I actually wanted this gift or I should have this gift. And so the way that we think about our gifts, the way that we look to our gifts, the way that we respond and use our gifts is actually our attitude toward the creator who gave those gifts. So why did he give those gifts? Well, verse 12 says this, their responsibility, talking about people with gifts, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. We've said for the last couple weeks, we've talked about this phrase that everyone is welcome in the family of God, but the family of God, just like all families, comes with blessings and responsibilities. Our role in the family of God comes with blessings and responsibilities. And so your gift comes with a responsibility to do the work of God. The spiritual gift that you've been given that was designed by Jesus and bestowed upon you comes with a responsibility to do the work of God and to build up the church. And I think sometimes that we can be confused or intimidated by what the work of God means. And so I wanted to just really quickly highlight a passage in John chapter 6. I've always found this passage fascinating because it's right after Jesus has fed 5,000 people and he's doing all of these great things and crowds are starting to form around Jesus and everyone's watching him and everyone's wanting to be a part of what he's doing because they're impressed by him. Verse 26 of John 6 says this as Jesus interacts with the people. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Sometimes we we think that the work of God and the gifts of God and all the things that God is calling us to do is this magical, mystical, lofty, big thing, and Jesus breaks it down pretty quickly and pretty simply in that interaction, and he says there's only one work that God wants from you, believe in the one who he has sent, and so the work of God is believing in Jesus. The work of God that we are called to, to, to be a part of with our spiritual gifts, is to build our lives on belief and build the lives of others on belief. We're not called to impress people with our spiritual gifts. We're not called to make them say, wow, that person is really talented. We're called to build belief and encourage belief that is ongoing, continuous, anchored, established, fortified belief. We're called to help people know the truth and tell the truth in love. And we're called to have people keep walking with Jesus and keep learning from Jesus and keep letting Jesus change them. And so the work of God that we're called to is work that that God has decided in his design uses our spiritual gifts. And so the work of God will lead you and will lead me, will lead us to build up the church. You could say it this way. The responsibility of your spiritual gifts is to anchor the faith of others and build up the church. That is one of the blessings and responsibilities in being in the family of God and knowing that you've been entrusted with a spiritual gift. That means that you will understand that the responsibility of that gift is to anchor the faith of others and build up the church. Some of us look at ourselves and we say, well, I can't anchor the faith of others. Don't worry, the church has a part in that. And some of us would say, well, I can't, build the church don't worry your gifts our building the church and so God set those two things in motion to kind of work together we use our gifts to build up the church the church encourages and anchors our gifts see there's something interesting about getting gifts when you get older because this passage is speaking about people who are growing in their faith walking in their faith and growing in maturity we we said last week that if we're walking with Christ, if we're, we're doing things as we should, there should be a growing up, there should be a maturing, there should be responsibility. And when you're responsible, when you're mature, when you get gifts, those gifts are not the same. We had a birthday in our house this last week and the person with the birthday turned 10. So you can imagine that the birthday was all about them, right? They got Crocs and gibbets and things that some of you don't know what those are, but just trust me, 10-year-olds love that stuff right now, all right? That's what a 10-year-old wants, and that's what a 10-year-old birthday is about. You get presents for yourself. You might even drop some hints through Amazon links, or we used to circle things in a catalog, but it's more complex now, right? You tell people ahead of time, this is what I want. This is what I need. My life will not be complete until I have this. That's what it's like for a younger person. Well, as a parent, as an older person... The gifts I get are not the same. Sometimes my, my mom will send me money and she's like, hey, why don't you take the whole family out to eat? And I think, that's a terrible idea, mom. I'd rather, I'd rather spend this money on myself like I used to when I was 10, right? Or she'll give us some money and she'll say, hey, enjoy that vacation. And I'm like, I have to take all of these people on my vacation and spend my money on them? When you're mature, gifts hit a little different, right? The, the way that you use those gifts, the way that you appreciate those gifts, the way that you have gifts in your life, is, it's just not the same. Gifts for mature people look different and we are called to be mature people. Verse 13 says this, this will continue, talking about the using of those gifts, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. See, this work that we are called to, to recognize that we have gifts, to humbly use those gifts, to give those gifts to the church and let the church do its job, let God's economy, God's equation, God's design do its job, it's an ongoing, continuous work. And we're told that our rally cry is not, hey, we just need some people to do a job, or hey, we need some people to do a job for a season. The rallying cry is this, until we all come to such unity, until we come to unity in our faith and our knowledge of God's Son and we're mature in the Lord and so we're called to serve as an ongoing act of servanthood. As we say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life and my gifts and as we say, Jesus, I recognize your love for the church and I recognize that I'm I'm a part of that that you want to use in that plan. And so because I love you, I'm going to use my gifts and because I'm using my gifts, You're going to love the church and build the church through me. See, faithful service helps us see unity and helps us see knowledge and helps us see maturity and helps us see a complete standard of Christ. And some of us, if we're being honest, would would look back through our our years of being in the the faith or part of the church and we would say, yeah, I think I've seen glimpses of that. I I think maybe I had a, a season of that. I think we'd have to admit that sometimes as the modern church, we've abandoned this equation. Jesus is saying, I gave you gifts. I'm asking you to humbly use those gifts. And I'm asking you to humbly use those gifts so that people can see me completely. I'm asking you to use those gifts until people see me completely. Until you see unity in the church. And some of us would say, yeah, I've never seen that. And I think the the question that we could ask then are you are you serving? Maybe that's why you're not seeing a complete picture of Christ. Maybe that's why you're not seeing unity in the context of the church you've been a part of. And And this is not just picking on us. Maybe it's because others have not been serving. Maybe that's why we're not seeing unity or a complete picture of Christ. This request doesn't say, hey, if you've got certain gifts, or if you've got the lofty gifts, if you've got the cool gifts, if you can play bass like the people up there on stage that sound really great, then you should should use your gifts so that everyone can appreciate those. We're called to all use our gifts. And when we say, "Eh, I don't have gifts, or "Oh, my gifts aren't important, or, oh, I'm not really in the mood to serve, or, oh, I've been burnt out, then, then we're changing what God is calling us to do. And he's saying until we're all doing that, until we're bought in to do that, we're not seeing a complete picture of Christ and we're not experiencing the unity that he's designed us to experience. I don't, I don't say that to, to give you a guilt trip. I know that there are, there are many other things that we could say and there are people who have been a part of groups of churches and seasons of ministry and... Maybe you felt like your life was in a place where there wasn't health or you felt, you felt like your pace was off or there wasn't good rhythm. You felt like you didn't have boundaries. You weren't able to Sabbath. You weren't able to rest. We are not neglecting all the other things that Jesus says in scripture about what it means to follow him, what it means to follow him wisely. But assuming that we have pace and assuming that we're taking rest and assuming that our life is in a healthy spot, we are called to use our gifts. We are told that we have gifts. And I don't know about you, but I want to see a complete unified church. I want to see a complete picture of Christ, the fullness of Christ. I want to experience that. And that's not a one-person job. That's an every-person job. And so we need to do our part and use our gift. But we need to recognize that we may need to run back and, and pick up a teammate and say, Hey! It's been a tough week, a tough season. Let's keep going. Let's keep running together. Let me encourage you. Let me build you up. I see your gifts and I want you to see my gifts and we together get to experience a complete picture of Christ. verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. When we serve with our gifts, the church is matured and strengthened and anchored. And when we're not serving with our gifts, our lives are not matured and strengthened and anchored. And the the lives of others are not matured and strengthened and anchored. Jesus created an equation here. He created a system. He called us to serve and, and some of us think that we know better than the creator and the sustainer. We don't. Our gifts lead us to maturity because they remind us that we are called to serve. They remind us that we're not in control, we're not in charge, but that our our job is to be a steward of all that God's given us. That's what using our gifts reminds us to do. Our gifts encourage other people and show them the fullness of Christ. Our gifts anchor people in the gospel and our gifts anchor people in theology and doctrine and so many good things that we need to know that God wants us to know in this life as we run after him. We have to offer our gifts. We have to serve with our gifts. Verse 15, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. When we use our gifts, when we respond with our gifts, when we're humbly serving with our gifts and taking that responsibility and anchoring the faith of others and building up the church, our eyes are put on Jesus. And so I want you to know that our our goal in talking about this is not some guilt trip. Our goal in talking about owning our faith and owning our church is not some guilt trip. Our goal is maturity that looks like Jesus. Simply put, our goal is maturity that looks like Jesus. I want people to see Jesus. And this passage says, when we're using our gifts, when we're all using our gifts, we will see Jesus. We're not trying to keep up with fill-in-the-blank church or this famous cool pastor that everyone watches on YouTube. We are trying to see Jesus, and we want to see Jesus. So we have to do some of the things that he's called us to do. Verse 16 says that he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So why is it such a big deal to keep our eyes on Jesus? Why is it such a big deal that we want our maturity in our lives, we want what we see in the lives of each other to look like Jesus because Jesus is the source of our rhythm. Jesus is the source of our growth and Jesus is the source of our health. Jesus is everything because when we were alone, when we were separated from God, when we were lost in our sin, Jesus came and gave his life and paid the price for our sins, our sins that separate us from God. And by trusting in him, by looking to him, by depending on him, we can be found, we can be restored, we can be saved, and we can know him and we can know love. And so Jesus is our source for everything. I used to uh, DJ weddings in a previous life when I uh, had to pay for our adoptions, and uh, it was an interesting job, to say the least, but... uh, one of the things that I, I found toughest was uh, sometimes when I would DJ weddings, I would, uh, I would be part of an event and I would think, wow, no one at this entire wedding can dance. Well, how, how is that possible? Shouldn't one person be able to dance? One time I did a, a, a wedding for a, a cowboy, a literal cowboy from Wyoming, and he just brought his own iPod, which I didn't know anyone still used those. He's like, just play these songs, fella. And I was like, okay, all right, we'll do that, right? Well, you can imagine that an actual cowboy wasn't, wasn't a big dancer, right? But uh, one time I was, I was just hanging out, attending a wedding, and there was a DJ who must have decided that no one at the wedding can dance, and so he just came out in front of his, his system, and he's like, hey, I've noticed that some of you out there need some help, so I want you to just watch me. I want to I teach you something quick. And he's like, everybody follow me and do what I do. And he just started saying, like, we're going to step left, we're going to step right, right? So he starts going like this, and he's just basically teaching everyone, like, hey, you're trying, you're doing your thing, but here's, here's what I need you to do. And so when I say that Jesus is our rhythm, I think of an example like that. If our eyes are on Jesus, we're seeing how he, how he walks, how he steps, we're seeing how we can be in sync and do that together, it makes a, a corporate difference. And when we're using our gifts, we're able to be in step. When we're using our gifts, others are able to be in step. And when we're using our gifts, people can see that there's something different about us. And I'm not just talking about dancing at a wedding anymore. I'm talking about people seeing a full picture of Jesus and the maturity of Christ in the way that we interact and use our gifts in our lives. How can I be so confident that that Jesus holds it all together, that we should keep our eyes on him, that we want to see maturity and fullness, that we want to watch him? This is what Colossians 1 says. It says this in Colossians 1, 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything, in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world, Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross." When we say that we've been given gifts and we're asked to serve with those gifts, it's not just something that you do for a while. See, the the creator and the sustainer of the universe, God himself in the form of Jesus Christ, gave you a gift. First he gave the gift of his life on the cross and then he gave spiritual gifts that he's asking us to respond and worship and use for his glory, to build his church and to encourage others. And so I hope that's not a a burden that sounds crazy. I hope that's something that you're compelled to do until, until we all, until we all see maturity and see the fullness of God and experience the unity that God wants us to know. Here's our big idea for this morning. Jesus gives us spiritual gifts so we can grow up, know the whole truth, and tell it in love. And when we're growing up, and we're knowing the truth and anchored in the truth and telling the truth in love, it will make a difference. It will change the way that we interact and we look as a church, and it will change the way the world looks at us. There's a story that I love. There's a story that I think is is so valuable. That story is is Jesus coming and surrendering his life for you and I. It's a story that we sometimes take for granted, we sometimes overlook, we sometimes look past, and we sometimes don't let motivate everything we do. I wanna read Ephesians to you again, but I wanna read it from a a book called The The Message. It's not not a translation, but just one man's words of, Trying to put scripture into his own words, I think sometimes it can be useful. And so these are his words for Ephesians 4. He says this in that same passage we've been looking at today. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts like apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Fully mature adults. Fully developed within and without. Fully alive like Christ. No prolonged infancies among us. Will not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy prey for predators. God wants us to grow up. To know the whole truth and tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. When we talk about this concept of serving with our gifts and recognizing our gifts and understanding we have gifts and using them as worship to serve the body and build the church, it's not about a guilt trip, but it's a response and it's a call to worship. And so I hope today, if, if, if maybe you're in a space or a new season where you'd say, you know, I used to serve or I haven't served, I want to begin using my gifts to honor God. We'd love to talk to you about that at the Next Steps table. There's a, a space on our website where you can go and click on connect and serve, and you can sign up just to learn more about one of those teams. And that, like I said, that's, that's not about a guilt trip. That's an opportunity to be invited into worship so that you can experience and know the fullness of God and that others can see that in the way that you use your gifts. Maybe you're already using your gifts. Maybe you're on one of those teams or you're doing things inside and outside of the church and trying to honor Jesus and use your spiritual gifts, but you would say, man, I've just become filled with blah. I, I don't, I don't want to serve anymore. I don't like to serve anymore. I want you to remember what Jesus has called us to. I want you to remember that Jesus gave his life for you. And I want you to know that when you use that gift that you've always had, that gift that you don't think is special, that gift that you've used for many years, that gift matters. That gift builds in God's economy, and that gift glorifies his name. And you're experiencing the fullness of God through that gift, and others are seeing the fullness of God in that gift. And the goal is that we grow up healthy in God, robust in love, when you and I serve with our gifts. People are experiencing the robust love of God. People are experiencing and seeing the robust love of Jesus on the cross. Let that be our motivation. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to give his life for us. Lord, thank you that we can be found in him. We can know love and know truth. We can be anchored in him. And Lord, because of the spiritual gifts you've given us, we can help others be anchored. God, we often take our gifts for granted. We often overlook our gifts and overlook the gifts of others and think that they're not a big deal and that you don't need them. Lord, we want to be people who are appreciative of our gifts and appreciative of your design. We want to be people who offer our gifts in humility to build up your church, to anchor the faith of others so that there's ongoing, consistent, continual, eternal belief So God, I pray that you'll move in our hearts, Lord. Help us to just be motivated and driven in the way that we serve. Help us to be encouraged in the way that we serve. And Lord, if there are people who are not yet serving, Lord, help them to be motivated to do that for the first time. God, we want to own our faith and own our church and build your church. And we're grateful that you give us the chance to do that. God, continue to mold us and shape us in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encourages you to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. For More information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.